This is 51st Dates, and I'm your host, Jolie Moore. They say that hindsight is 2020. I decided to find out if that's true. Every week, I'm going to read a chapter from my memoir, 51st Dates, then give you the backstory and commentary on what really went down. It's been two whole years since I went on these dates, and I'll be experiencing them along with you as I read. We'll find out together if my future self learned anything. I don't know if I have anything figured out, but at least we'll share some laughs along the way. Dating in Southern California is nothing if not entertaining. Ready? Strap in. Let's go. Welcome to 51st Dates, episode 40. It is October um, and I'm kind of blazing hot here um, in Southern California, at least for the last few days. Can't wait for a cool down to happen. Who knows? So this week has been interesting, as I guess I say this every week, but um, a few weeks ago, um, that guy I met over the summer asked me a question about this project, and his question was sort of, well, interesting. He said, what traits did the guys have that you met? Were they like introverted, extroverted, um, nervous? I mean, he was asking these questions, and I thought, That is not at all how I perceived dating or the guys um, I met from this end. And we had a back and forth conversation about it, but it sort of inspired me to write an essay that The Good Men Project published um, this week. And what I narrowed it down to, I'm sure when he got this email from me, he was like, this is not the conversation I thought I was having. But I narrowed it down to sort of five sort of upfront things that these guys would say um, on a date or two or three. Um, Number one was, um, I'd like to have sex with you now, if possible. There were a number of those. Um... Number two was a like a sexual relationship with no commitments because I already have commitments, whether that commitment was wife, children, more than a full-time job. Um, it was just another attention-seeking um, sexual come-on that had nothing to do with building a long-term relationship. But you know what? At least those two were up front. The number three was, um, I hate my life, my job, my apartment, and I'm hoping you can fix all of that for me. <laughs> the actual first date, the one that I forgot about, was this guy, you know, he was like, I just moved, I hate my job, you know, I'm really better than the life I'm living, but he wasn't doing anything to make it better. There were so many of those who were just really dissatisfied with their life, and I couldn't figure out then why were they sitting in front of me, why weren't they going and fixing the things that they were dissatisfied with. It's certainly not a good way to lead. Um Number four was I can't be alone with my thoughts. These guys, like, they wanted, they just wanted constant attention. And I don't have that kind of energy for people, not for for some people, but they just wanted, like, so much attention and interaction. What should I do? Where should I go? What should I wear? Like, one guy, the guy, the 99 books guy, who's like, let me text you before the date about all my problems and let me text you before the date about what should I wear on the date with you that I didn't plan because I don't have the capacity for that. Oh my God. Oh my God. The worst 45 minutes ever. 
Um, and then number five was I don't want to die alone. It was sort of these guys who were like, I was like, what are you looking for? They're like, I don't want to die alone. I got to be in a relationship. And I was like, oh my God, but like, what, what else do you have in your life? And they really didn't have answers. It was, that was actually kind of sad, but there were a number of those for sure. And I really hope that they found a relationship that could fill that hole that they couldn't fill for themselves. So I will say this. Um, I just read a book this weekend. Um, I read it. I just finished it um, <laughs> in bed on Sunday morning. Um, it's How Not to Die Alone by Logan Yuri. A few months ago, I think the book must have come out at the beginning of 2021 or maybe this spring. She, I don't know, she she was in the, um, she had a TED Talk. And I don't, that I don't think went really viral, but she was doing a lot of interviews and a lot of podcasts um, in anticipation of this book coming out and around the book's release. So it had a lot of buzz from the Washington Post. It had a lot of buzz um, in the relationship self-help space (laughs) and not in the fiction space because that's a whole different I live in the other space and that I get the nonfiction space is interesting. But she, there's something that I found slightly compelling about her message. It was very practical. So her book, the whole book is basically about dating, how to date, how to date intentionally and how to be in relationships intentionally. Um, but she, it was really interesting. She uses a lot of puns and it's a lot of like hip language. And I think she may actually say hashtag and she may say things like IRL in the book. But the book is backed by science and a lot of studies she has cited have come across in so many other books. Um, so clearly there's like a small pool of studies and the Gottmans um, talking about relationship. And then there's a number of books that interpret these in a number of different ways. But what was really interesting about her book was the intentionality aspect. And she really sort of focuses on how we fall into relationships, don't date thoughtfully or mindfully, and then don't like the results. So she talks about dating with intention, being more open to who you date, um, even who you're willing to swipe Right. Well, swipe, swipe. I haven't done it in so long. I can't say this. Who you would swipe right on the abs. And it was interesting. It's sort of, I think it may be the last book I read. I'm actually, I've, I think, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think I'm ready. I've read all these books. Um, I've really had a lot of time for like self-reflection and some <laughs> self-reckoning over some of the stupid things I've done. But I feel for the first time in, uh, who knows, a few years, actually like whole and more or less, you know, healthy, not constantly plagued by trauma and sort of ready to, I think, be in a relationship. So the hurdle between my desire to have um, a relationship and where I am now is obviously the middle part of dating. And that's, that's the rub, isn't it? Um, so one of the things that she says is that you need to expand your age criteria and other criteria. And what was interesting is, and this is true, she was saying when you first sign up for a dating app, you're more interested in seeing who's out there than making choices. But all the apps, and this is probably true, um, I'll find out again maybe if I sign up, that you have to make a specific set of choices 
when you sign up. And people generally don't change those choices. So for all the people who are like, he has to be over six feet, they never change the choices. Now, in real life, they might date someone who's 5'11", but making that absolute choice on a computer, which you know has no give or take, is like limits your choices up front and without ever changing those, keeps those limiting factors. Even if you have expanded in your mind the factors, the abs have not gone back and, you know, noted your mindful expansion. So I think that's interesting. Um, I've never actually, you know what? I was going to say I've never put a height requirement, but I honestly don't know. I don't know. I'm really short. So I don't know if I've ever put a height requirement. I don't know if I've ever thought about it. You know, I just asked that guy um, that I broke up with how tall he was. And I'm going to be honest, I thought he was 5'6 or 5'7 and he said he was 5'10. And I was like, wow, I clearly don't have a good sense of height. Um, It's hard when you basically are looking up at every single person to have a good sense of how people are tall, how tall people are, because everybody nearly is taller than me. So I'm going to sort of, I I think, I don't know, I want to date, but I don't want to do the abs. So, you know, there's actually another chapter in the book where she talks about how to meet people in real life and going to events and things like that. And I certainly go to a lot of events um, and I meet a lot of people. That's not the issue. I just, I guess I've never thought of it in terms of dating. I, oof, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have to think about that. I mean, I went to an event last night. I went to an event the weekend before. I went to an event like a, the week before and I met plenty of people um, plenty of single men, actually. There are a lot of single men out there. Um, but I wasn't thinking about that in terms of dating. I was actually thinking about the event that I was going to. Um, maybe, maybe there's something to the in real life component. Uh, I'll think about that. But, um, if I get back on the apps, not only do I have to filter them, I need to broaden my horizons, which is ironic because if I broaden, then there's going to be a lot more filtering involved. I'm going to have to think about that. But I will say this. So I think I owe my latest sort of sense of well-being around dating to two people. The first person, I did write an email to. The first person is um, Melissa Ledger from Gumball Love. I don't know what it was or what it is about her message, but it certainly got through And for once, I'm able to sort of see and differentiate between guys who are attention seekers and guys who want connection. The thing that I think I made a mistake on is that I didn't, upfront, people are kind of intense. You know, I want to date you, I want to see you, I want to whatever. And not that the behavior doesn't fall off quickly. I mean, you know, if you read this, you know that they will, like, the attention seekers will fall off quickly, but I was sort of fooled by their words. I want to see you. I want to be with you. I think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then they disappear. Um, Or, (laughs) well, there's no or. Um, So I realized that I probably have only ever dated attention seekers. I don't even know where the connection people are, Um, but I'd like to meet them. (laughs) And here we come to the second point. The second point is the guy I met this summer. And I was thinking about him yesterday because we were talking about stuff. He's traveling and just stuff. 
And one of the things that he has done has really changed my mind about who men can be. Like I had like a kind of a stressful week and the first thing he did like on Friday, I think it was Friday, is he checked in and he was like, how did this stuff go? And I thought, I've never known a man who's ever asked me questions for which there was no benefit for them. And that that is super interesting. So I wrote that email to the first person and I'm sort of, I composed the email to him while I was at an event. Um, and I probably will send it because I really believe now in telling people contemporaneously that I appreciate them. And what I really want, and this guy, I want a guy just like this guy, only closer. Um, I really thought about it. Like the, the issue with him is that I'm going to be honest, like he's 12 years younger. And that's like to me crazy because like he could like live a whole life that I've already feel like I've lived in the last dozen or so years. Um, and also he doesn't live here. And I really think that the avoidant part of my personality could really latch on to somebody with whom I couldn't be close because they're not here. So, um, well, I'm not going to think more about that. I decided that I don't have to expend energy defining every relationship that I have with somebody of the opposite sex. We have fun talking. Um, We have fun talking about books and movies and whatnot. And I'm just going to enjoy it. It requires nothing more of me than that. So, but I will send him that note saying that I really appreciate that I don't know how I'm going to frame it. That's the thing, because otherwise it could be creepy. But I really do appreciate that. It, it's the he's the first like three dimensional sort of man that I've met, who like just has their own life, and is interested in mine. And it's not always in a creepy. I'm going to stare you down or touch your fingers or just be weird sort of way, because ultimately they want to have sex now. They want to have sex forever. They want attention. They don't want to die alone. The spoiler alert for everything is that we all will die alone. It's the one thing we do alone. Um, I mean, we have people around us, but it's it's just it's just going to be us taking our last breath. But before I get to that point, I think that I'm ready for um, a relationship and I'm really interested in actually having like a relationship with somebody that is mutual. And that's not me taking care of them, me fixing their problems. I'm a really good problem fixer, really good problem fixer. Um, Or me filling the hole that they can't fill for themselves. I just want somebody who's like an adult who has already done a lot of that work and wants to move forward with me in an intentional way. And, oh my God, I get sad when I think about it because it feels like such an impossibility because I haven't met that person up till now. Um, But I'm like 99.9% sure they're out there. Not 100%. Not going to go down that road. And I'm ready to meet them. So let's see how it goes. Chapter 40, Dating Outside My Neighborhood. October 7. Can we get to how the night ended? 
spoiler alert, it ended like many of my first dates ended with Thunderbolt at my house. It so, was so weird running into you, he said, while we were talking about what had happened in the days we'd been apart. Did I freak you out, I asked. It had freaked me out a little. Or a lot. No, we live really close, huh? I knew that no was a lie. I would have said exactly the same thing if he'd asked. Yes, we do. I acknowledged, yes, we do. Which is why the last few dates had been far from West Hollywood. Last night's date lived, ironically, in my old neighborhood. Since my ex had my kid and hates eating out, or at least he always complained about leaving our house because most restaurant food wasn't all organic and made from locally sourced ingredients like he demanded from me, eating out for him didn't used to be a pleasure for anyone involved. So I felt safer down the street from my old house than near West Hollywood. Let's call last night's date the late bloomer. He said it enough times for it to have stuck in my mind. I decided to meet at a local gastro pub some friends owned. It had great drinks, great bar food, and was open until two. So if the date was going well, there would be no pressure to leave. It started like they all do. I was on time. He was late even though he only had to travel a mile or two. Late bloomer, I'm on my way and maybe a few minutes late. Me, I'm here. Fortunately for me, I brought a book or a hundred. Thank goodness for the Kindle. That device is how I maybe pretended entertained myself with dates who were late, which was all of them. I'd taken a stool at a high table, considered the drink menu, people watched. About 15 minutes later, he made it into the bar slash restaurant. He was wearing a long sleeve, dark shirt, jeans. He didn't look at me, but everywhere else but me instead. Another one, I thought, why is it no one could look me in the eye? I usually have to work at night. It's a rare night off, he said. What do you do? I'm the vault manager at one of the city's theaters. What's that, I asked. I'd never thought of the city's venues having a vault. I'm in charge of collecting, counting, and depositing the cash after concerts, he said. I'm pretty important to the organization. Unfortunately, my new boss won't give me a future schedule, so I'm not always sure which nights I have off. Now, of course, I'm going to tell you that his bio focused not on cash collection, but how he was a writer and lover of fiction. I love creative people. Do you get to see interesting concerts, I asked. He named a few bands I'd never heard of, but the season ends in a few weeks. Why? The city closes its outside venues during the rainy season, he explained. I'd realized that I'd forgotten that places like the Hollywood Bowl were closed during months when there was even the possibility of rain. Do you write during the downtime? I asked. I want to write, he said. I used to write short stories, and I have my own blog, but I don't have time. I didn't probe how seven months off between mid-October and mid-May seemed like a ton of time to work on short stories. He asked me about my own writing. I told him I'd recently finished a book and was working on another. I talked a little bit about romance, but didn't want to talk about quote-unquote research or answer his questions on what I thought about erotica. How did you come to Los Angeles? I asked. It was like pulling teeth to get answers. Conversation wasn't flowing smoothly, though, and I'd already invested 30 minutes in driving. It was drinking sparkling rosé. I need at least an hour and a half before I could safely drive home. The first time, he asked. I leaned across the gray-washed wood table. Now this sounded like it could be an interesting story. Yes, the first time. I went to film school and came out here to be in entertainment. It was 2002. Eventually, I lost my job in the economic downturn and ran out of money. I was, well, I don't want to get into it, but I was partying a lot. I have to, 
I, I think I need to tell you something. This phrase is a killer. Whenever it's spoken, I'm both equal parts intrigued and afraid. I took a sip of wine, leaned in a little more. Do you know what autism is? I sat back a little. I nodded. He continued, I'm on the spectrum with Asperger's. I have a hard time with conversation and talking to people, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. I have to say, first, I didn't see that coming. And second, I didn't know quite what to say back to that. I'd read a bit about neurotypical neuroatypical or neurodivergent people and the need for neurotypicals to be more accepting of people with different types of brains. I didn't think, though, that I was ready to date someone who was struggling with socialization. I'd had that debate only two nights before. Not so subtly, I checked my phone. The Do Not Disturb was on. I turned it off because I wanted to see Thunderbolt, and I figured I'd miss his text if I wasn't vigilant. Late Bloomer talked about how he'd lost his virginity. He hadn't lost his virginity until his 20s, that he hadn't had a lot of luck with girlfriends. He'd worked at Walden Books back in the day and was currently reading Daphne du Maurier and Dostoevsky. New books, e-books didn't interest him. The same was true about movies. He was lamenting the closure of the silent movie theater two years ago. What are my date's obsessions with the past? Classic car guy loved his 60s cars and 70s music. The soccer coach only watched movies from the 80s that he could find on YouTube. And now this one was lamenting the introduction of e-books into a paper world. After that, he talked about Frank Zappa for the remainder of the time. He loved the musician's complicated work. What I know about Zappa? You know what? I don't know a damn thing about Zappa, except that he lived in Laurel Canyon and his sons were feuding over his music catalog. I made the mistake of mentioning the latter. While I drank a quart of water, Late Bloomer talked about Zappa's bandmates, his children, and innumerable other factors, facts about the music legend. Even though I knew it was rude, I glanced at my phone again, silent. I have to get going, I announced a bit abruptly. I have an early class at the gym. Gym? What do you do? Spinning at eight, I said. So you work out a few times a week? Sure, spinning, yoga. I've heard of spinning, he said. It's just indoor cycling to music, I replied. Well, it seems to agree with you, he said, looking me up and down. I pulled my oversized cardigan over my form-fitting velvet mock tee. I mean, I get it about men being visual. An hour later, Thunderbolt would be pulling off my bra because he couldn't see my breasts during foreplay. Most men, however, wouldn't have said it quite that way. Not unless it was a hookup type D. I'm about ready to call it a night, I said. I flagged down the waiter and asked for the bill. Can you stay a few more moments? I want to go to the restroom. I nodded and checked my phone again. There was a text, but this one was from an author friend who was nervous about her new release. I broke all my rules about no phone on dates and texted her back. I was fiddling with my phone when he came back. He paid for his two glasses of wine and my one. I thanked him and stood. Can I walk you to your car? He asked. It was only in the back, so I nodded. This wouldn't be as long a walk as it had been with others. Here I am, I said in the few seconds it took us to walk out of the back door. I really like you. Can we see each other again? That took me aback. It was the least subtle profession of interest that I'd heard, because I hate confrontation. I had no idea what to say. I hope I didn't talk too much, he continued, or fixate on any one thing too much. I'm really trying to learn how to relate to people. So I'm busy the next couple of weeks, I said. Let's keep in touch. Please text me and let me know you got home safely. Sure, no problem, I promised. Then I backed out of the space like a bat out of hell and took myself over Laurel Canyon. My phone pinged. Thunderbolt. Oh, hi. Me, how are you? Thunderbolt mellow. 
me. Did you say mellow? Siri is reading your text because I'm driving. Thunderbolt, you want to fool around? Me? Sure. I'm home in 10 minutes. Thunderbolt, here. Me? Really? That really was because I'd only been home a couple of minutes before he'd pulled up next to my car in the new convertible. I hadn't gotten more than my shoes off. The rest of me was still, still in full date wear. I was honestly delighted to see him because it was easy. There were no moments of awkward conversation or me having to explain anything about my life. Plus, he was currently obsessed with G-spot orgasms, so we were all good. You know, of course, that I forgot to text Late Bloomer. I also got a text from the hiker that I didn't respond to either. I needed to clear the decks, but I didn't know how. Instead, I napped with Thunderbolt, then sent him on his way with enough time to make a 6 a.m. flight. In the morning after the gym, I put the final touches on a book before I went to my editor. Writing was easy. Dating was hard. I remember that guy. I could not tell you his name to save my life. I honestly didn't know what to make of the whole neurodivergent thing. It wasn't something I considered when dating because at my age, the number of people on the spectrum is much smaller than it is um, for younger generations. I think this guy was probably maybe five years younger than me. I'm not sure. Um, but he knew a lot about Frank Zappa and I, I don't understand Frank Zappa. The music sounds, um, asynchronous and just like a hot mess to me, but he has a whole lot of fans and the whole sons feuding thing. Well, that's a different conversation, but, um, I really didn't know what to make of the date. I just, he wasn't on time. So that never, it never starts well. Like I picked, so my friends do in this restaurant and it's near where I used to live, but so I know how to get there and I could park in the space, in the owner's space in the back, which is cool. But, um, I picked it because I think he didn't have a car and I figured if he was going to Uber, it'd be cheaper if he just Ubered, you know, like, you know, five, 10 minutes. But even with all that, he was maybe like 20, 30 minutes late. And I like, I spend so much time waiting for people. And I don't even know what period of time I think is reasonable, but look, I'm going to be honest, like more than five minutes. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm over it anymore. Um, punctuality is really important to me. And if it's a date and you want to make a good first impression, it seems like being on time would be a good idea. Maybe I'm missing something about punctuality. I don't know the, so I don't even, I couldn't even, I couldn't pick this guy out of a lineup. I remember a lot about that night, not this guy much. It just, he was, so, you know, he was up front. Um, oh, the whole cash vault thing. It's fascinating. So LA does have, I think it's like the Wiltern Hollywood Bowl Ford theater. And like a, a couple of parks have, do have like the Shakespeare in the park, I think have outdoor venues. I don't pay cash for tickets, but they do, I guess, collect cash for food, wine, everything else. I never thought about what they did with all the cash because obviously they're not um, a restaurant or store where they have a daily cash collection policy. So he goes from theater to theater um, with a portable vault. I don't even know. Putting cash in it and then they count it. And I guess the city goes and deposits in whatever accounts they have. Like, it's, it's seriously a thing. I've never, ever, ever thought of. Super kind of interesting. Um, but it's seasonal. And what he does in the seven months of the year, I don't know. 
So he did leave Los Angeles. I think he moved back in with his parents, and then he came back out here because he's wanted to be in the entertainment industry, but hasn't really done a lot to pursue that. I don't know. I think he also wanted to write screenplays and make movies, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's an affliction here. Um, Thunderbolt. I, I I don't know. I guess it must have been a Sunday night, the date, because I do work out sometimes Monday mornings. So... I imagine that we had talked about meeting up Sunday night and he like texted. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking, but it was easy. And there's something, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't do the casual relationship thing again, not at this point in my personal evolution, but there is something to be said for somebody showing up where you don't have to have like any conversations about anything. I mean, we do talk about, who knows, we talked about that night, but we, I don't have to have like explain who I am and what I do and what I like and all of those things. Like it's so easy sort of slipping. It was like, it's like, it was like a hand in glove relationship. Like it required little effort. It was also the problem with the relationship is that it required little effort. So it was uh, it was interesting. I did eventually. I'm gonna be. I didn't ghost the guy. I did eventually text him and tell him that we were not a match. Um, after he texted me a lot about Frank Zappa, and um, I haven't thought of him since. I do hope that he found someone that could meet him where he was. I was just in a whole different place in my life. I'm Jolie Moore, and this has been 51st Dates, the podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I hope you'll share, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. It will help others find the craziness that is dating in Southern California. Also, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you'd like to read ahead, my memoir, 51st Dates, is available wherever books are sold. A link is always included in the show notes. I'm also a romance writer. If you want to know more about my books, please visit joliemore.com for more information. You can also follow me on Instagram at xojoliemore and on all social media at the same handle, xojoliemore. Thanks for listening, and I'll be in your ears next week.